Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Thursday afternoon and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about the Sportsbook online at PearlRiverResort.com or find out for yourself by visiting them. Enjoy a great place to watch games, get in on the action, plenty of good food. you got the whole deal covered at the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. As always, we would love to hear from you on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that's right here in C Spire country. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. We, uh, we have an elimination game tonight in the College World Series with, we think, a great pitching matchup. LSU and Wake Forest. Playing for the second consecutive night, the winner will go to the championship series to face the Florida Gators. Florida is sitting at their hotel tonight. They will be watching the game, and they will be hoping for 17 innings with lots of runs and lots of pitchers used. Don't care who wins, probably. I don't know. Do you think Wake Forest care, or uh, do you think Florida cares who wins? Would they prefer to face I think Wake, Wake Forest or LSU? I think Wake Forest cares who wins, yes. yes. Wake Forest the, definitely cares. The, does uh, Florida care who wins? I mean, the last time Florida won the national title, they, they beat LSU, so maybe maybe that's who they want to see again. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe so. That um, That is not the biggest story of the day involving LSU, though. Uh, we finally have a decision from the NCAA. And some subtext to go with it. Go with it. See the subtext first. Um, the subtext is: if you are a college athletics program, you should cheat. And when you get caught cheating, if you get caught cheating, you should lie about it. And then you should continue to lie about it, and you should drag out the investigation as long is as humanly possible. And it doesn't really matter how damning the evidence is against you. You just need to play the shaggy song on repeat 
in your earbuds, anytime you're thinking about shutting it down or telling the truth, no, 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 it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. That's the subtext. That's the takeaway from what we learned about LSU's penalties today. Agreed? What, what do we expect? Did you did you did you really think that LSU was about to see you know twenty five scholarships and two year bowl? You really thought no, but, always going to be a big ball of nothing, and it didn't disappoint. But but here's the thing on that. So let's remove Ole Miss out of it to just avoid the perception of bias. Ohio State had to fire a national championship winning head coach. Hmm. Because his players sold their own stuff. The players' personal items they sold to a tattoo shop in exchange for some cash and free tattoos. Remember that? I remember that. Yes. Gold pants. I do. I do remember that. Remember what Bruce Pearl had to leave, or why Tennessee had to fire Bruce Pearl? Because he lied to the NCAA about a barbecue at his home. He had a barbecue at his house. It was a cookout. All right, it was a cookout. Yeah, guys. sure. No, yeah. I agree. I no, no, no. You're right. I agree. It was a cookout. It was just referred to throughout the entire process as a barbecue. Yeah, very Yankee. Event. That's how you but, know it was. But re- nevertheless, yeah, nevertheless, you know. well, he could have been doing ribs or something. But either way, that, that that is why those guys got fired. Southern Miss basketball got shot to the moon, mm-hmm. and the coach was given a ten year show cause. And the root of that was testimony that changed three times. Correct. That's what they had. Inconsistent testimony at best. Will Wade gets a two-year show cause, and LSU basketball gets nothing. When he was caught on a federal wiretap, and if you haven't heard it yourself, you can. Pull up the Google machine, type in Will Wade wiretap audio, and you can hear it for yourself. In the football program... After, by the way, I was reminded of this earlier. I completely forgot this happened. After a former LSU player was on the field after a game handing out cash to current LSU players live on CNN, live on television, and a guy later briefly complained it was actually counterfeit money. Yeah, they called it which, fake by the money. way, would have been illegal. I think. Yeah, yeah. OBJ's walking around with fake money. Yeah, sure. But they had a booster who had a direct line of communication with the head coach, but they had a booster, go to prison, pled guilty in a court of law. No no speculation, no third hand, no I think you did this, no inconsistent testimony, no he said, she said. A booster pled guilty in a court of law and was sentenced to over two years in prison for using a hospital charity to funnel money to the families of LSU players. And the football program essentially got nothing. So, and this was before you could pay players. But even in this era, those things are against the rules and for the hospital thing, immoral. And they got nothing. So, Jim Tressel lost his career. Now, he recovered nicely. He was the president of Youngstown State University for a long time, recently retired. Bruce Pearl's career got derailed. Southern Miss basketball got shot to the moon. And this 
The long-awaited ruling on LSU's infractions case regarding alleged recruiting violations within the men's basketball and football programs was handed down this morning. Former Tigers basketball coach Will Wade, who is now the head coach at McNeese State, was given a 10-game suspension. Ten games. So he will be back before conference play begins. What is that, the Southland Conference, I believe? Uh, And a two-year show cause, which means he can't recruit off campus, from the NCAA's Independent Accountability Resolution Panel to finally bring the four-year case to a close. LSU's case only made it to preschool. Ole Miss's case was a kindergartner when it shut down. Uh, Wade's top assistant at LSU... Associate head coach Bill Armstrong, you probably remember Bill Armstrong. He was an assistant under Andy Kennedy at Ole Miss before he left to join Will Wade at LSU. Did not receive any penalties from the IARP's ruling. By the way, his lawyer has reached a state, uh, released a statement today. These decisions are final, and they cannot be appealed. LSU, which had its men's basketball and football programs lumped together in the case, did not did not receive a postseason ban or get hit with lack of institutional control. Both teams are on probation. Oh, the dreaded probation for three years. LSU received a notice of allegations in March of 2022 that outlined 11 alleged violations against men's hoops and football that led four days later to firing both Will Wade and Bill Armstrong. I saw somebody that is an LSU fan that kind of covers LSU, but more like just an online personality, say, LSU completely botched this. They never should have fired Will Wade. Never should have fired him. Given that all he got was a two-year show calls and a 10-game suspension, they should have just weathered the storm and stuck with Will Wade. These are humans. Maybe sticking with them would have led to possibly a harsher punishment. Perhaps. Eight of the violations were level one infractions, the most severe that can be assessed by the NCAA. Seven of those pertain to men's basketball. Wade was identified in six of the seven level one allegations. Armstrong was named in one along with a level two violation. The notice of allegations suggested that both could receive show cause penalties which is the harshest penalty a coach can receive from the NCAA. Will Wade was hired by McNeese State on March the 12th. I saw Pat Forty say that McNeese State's really got some explaining to do. Uh, do they? No, they don't. Because under what other circumstance could they hire a coach as accomplished as Will Wade? And the second Will Wade's show cause penalty is up, he won't be the coach at McNeese State anymore. He's going to get hired. It doesn't matter that everybody in college basketball thinks he's a slime ball and as big a cheater as there is in the game. He's won, and he gets players. And so he'll get an opportunity as soon as the show calls is up after just a couple of years. And my guess is that McNeese will... um, They'll stick with him. Part of his contract, they had already agreed that they were going to suspend him for the first five games of the season. They haven't won more than 17 games since 2010. I mean, what do they have to lose? More basketball games? They already do that. Yeah. In a time of the year where they're playing money games anyway, then they're going to get beat. It doesn't matter how good a squad they have. In that conference, the only thing that matters is being good enough to get to a decent seed so that you can have a chance to win your conference tournament and get that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. 
McNeese State's a winner today. At 40, they've got some explaining to do. What a schmuck. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Borky, you ever invite somebody to lunch, and not only do they not join you for lunch, they don't even respond to your request for lunch? I don't think that's ever happened to me. Mm. I mean, it although, hadn't, happened, hadn't happened to me since about 11 this morning. Uh, although, I, yeah, I witnessed that today. Saw it happen. Who, who stood you up? You did. What? I sent you a text message that said, hey, want to join us for lunch today? It was in your neck of the woods. You are in Starkville? It was at West Point. I was in Clarkson. Oh, I didn't know you were in Clarkson. Well, you know, yeah. he could have told you. Where cell phone coverage, I could have told you. You know, if you listen to the podcast where I was, or follow me on Twitter, I was shooting another... Uh, Catfish tour stopped today. There you go. How was the catfish? Richard, where's Clarkson? Didn't we talk about this the other day? It's kind of in the uh, like south of Clarksdale. All right, I mean, I don't have this text. I don't have this text from you. So uh, it's on our on our group message with Borky and me. You said something about us not doing a call, and I was like, "Yeah, sorry, I told Borky about that. We got guests. By the way, you're welcome to join us for lunch today." And uh, crickets. Uh, Crickets. Ah, well, I. I was out and about. Yes, it was the dinner. Uh, lunch was fantastic. Great catfish. I I had never had a fried shrimp stuffed with pepper jack cheese before today, but I have now, and now I want all of my fried shrimp to be stuffed with pepper jack cheese. So do they like butterfly them and then just stuff them, or how does that work? I, I think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I didn't. I didn't ask this. I don't know. I didn't ask the specifics, but I just enjoyed eating them. So I'm just going to say something about these places we're going to eat. They are so lucky. I'm trying to lose weight. They are so lucky. You're not trying. You're succeeding. I, I saw that picture well, today. Where, where's the rest of you? Yeah. So if, if I was, if, if we had done this last year, these places would be like, hey, we're losing money on this deal. We, we can't have him here. He, he can't do it. So as it is, I'm trying. And everybody's like, ooh, eat this, try this. I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. see if we can uh, we can intertwine two topics one that hey dad doesn't love and one that he absolutely adores to uh, mm-hmm. to see if he's he's interested so this kind of falls into the business of college sports which you don't love with actual games which you do love a lot I do we have a uh, a report on the this is way early, right? We're we're June 22nd. We have not made it to the start of the season. The top 10 most expensive tickets for a college football game on the secondary market this year. Again, June 22nd. 
The 10th most expensive ticket this year is the uh, the ticket for Notre Dame and Clemson. $232 to get in the door. That one's at Clemson this year, isn't it? Is that correct? Okay, we're doing the yeah, this is, this is This is moving slower than I was hoping. Yes, it is in Clemson on November 4th. That is oh, an interesting man. stretch of games for Clemson, by the way. So they have a bye week. They'll be probably heavily favored in every game. They do have Florida State at home, so not heavy favorites. That'll be a big one in September. But Clemson, I think, will be favored in every game up until their bye week, which is October 14th. Then they're in Miami, in Raleigh, and hosting Notre Dame. And then two weeks later, they've got Drake May in North Carolina. Yeah, they'll be favored at Miami, and they'll be favored favored in all those games. But... Th- those are that's an interesting stretch of games. Uh, I mean, go, you, yeah, you think going to Raleigh and and winning is is easy? You're crazy. But uh, there there's a chance that Clemson's got some losses on here. Florida State's going to be tough. Obviously, Notre Dame's going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. Drake May's going to be tough. They have to go to Columbia. Uh, th- there are people that think that Clemson's going to bounce back and be a playoff team again. I don't know. So Notre Dame Clemson. The ninth most expensive ticket on the secondary market at this point of the summer is Nebraska-Colorado, which is interesting because that's that's a rivalry renewal, right? Colorado was part of the Big 12. They're now part of the Pac-12. Nebraska was part of the Big 12. They're now part of the Big 10. But uh, a renewal of the Nebraska-Colorado series, $234. Number eight on the list, Georgia and Tennessee at $238. Number seven. That was week two, by the way, Nebraska-Colorado in uh, Boulder. Is it in Boulder or are they playing it in Denver? It is in Boulder, isn't it? It is in Boulder. Yeah, week yeah. two. That is what after cool Nebraska's at be. Minnesota. Ugh. That's also after Colorado is at TCU. Ooh. Could be a couple of 0-1 teams looking for their first victory of the year when they square off at uh, Folsom Field. Don't buy those tickets now. Georgia-Tennessee is number 8 on the list at $238. Number 7, a Big Ten game. That's going way up. That'll go way up. That's the second to last week of the season, by the way. that That's when the SEC yeah. has that off, like, brutal, brutal weekend of just garbage games, and then that one. So you're saying buy your tickets That'll now for a... Georgia-Tennessee? Yeah. Yes, that'll be a six seven hundred dollar ticket for bad seats. What time we get there? Iowa Northwestern is the uh, the get in the door price is two hundred forty dollars because it is at Wrigley Field. Ah, uh, okay. All right, as I was wondering. So there's some novelty. Right. Makes there. more the, sense now. The visuals there. That's in early November. Could you imagine a snowy Wrigley Field for a college mm-hmm. football game? Yeah, that'd be nice. Be great. I don't know if they'll get snow. It feels like it's going to be gray and windy, though. Need need the lake to help us out. Give me that lake yeah. effect. Uh, Texas, Alabama. A little surprising. Uh, I guess when the stadium seats 102,000, you don't expect a massive number. $269. That's the sixth most expensive ticket in college nice. football this year. Uh, number five nice on the price. list. It is. Number five on the list is the game. Ohio State, Michigan. Three hundred forty-five dollars, and both Buy of those are hundred thousand seat stadiums. Buy them now. That's that's another one that's just going to be. I don't go know. You, you don't think you can sit at the top of one of those stadiums 
for three hundred and fifty bucks if you wait till November to buy it? If they're both undefeated. Maybe. Eh, yeah, if they're, they're both undefeated. Which Michigan off, will yeah. be, by the way. Madison Central High School would win games with Michigan's schedule. They really would. <laughs> Ohio State Notre Dame, also an attractive game. Three hundred seventy eight dollars. That right. is in uh, South Bend in week four. How good is that scene going to be? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Fantastic. Uh, here, here, and I know Notre Dame's on top of the world and all that. You're going to see a red takeover again of Notre Dame Stadium. Watch. Yes. Well, that's not, that's not an unusual. Ohio State has made that trip a few times. So it's, it's not like the Georgia thing where it's probably once in a lifetime. Cockroaches, man. But but I do agree there will be a, a lot of Ohio State fans there. I, there will I be a that. lot of Ohio State fans that are, are there. Lift up a log in your backyard and you'll find an Ohio State fan. <laughs> hey, hey, and it's the rare under-the-lights game at Notre Dame Stadium. Borky just slipped the jab in there. He did. He did. NBC's got that one at 7.30, so be 6.30 Central Time on Saturday night, September 23rd. All right, the, the three most expensive tickets are all neutral site games. Yeah. OU Texas in Dallas, Red River. Cheapest ticket in the old Cotton Bowl is $387. Army-Navy being played in the greater Boston area, Foxborough. They are at Gillette Stadium this year. $482 on June 22nd just to get you in the door for America's game. And the most expensive college football ticket this year is for a game that will not even be played on American soil. Notre Dame, Navy, Dublin, Ireland, $599 just to get in. Just a ticket. Never mind the flight. That's that's a $2,000 ticket. That's a $2,000 game, probably at minimum. I don't know how much a flight would be, but it's going to be close to that, I would imagine. I guess this answers the the, the question, but I would love to know what like a, a typical Irish local thinks about Notre Dame. Like being the Irish and having a goofy leprechaun I'll, man. I'll show them down. a fight if they want one. Yeah, you know, I wonder if they think that it's a little goofy. Probably. I just. bet not. I bet, I bet they're all on board. They're playing that game yeah. at Aviva Stadium. Guys, this is... not I mean, played last year. Yeah, so this is not a deal where you've got a stadium that seats 30,000. It's a 51,700-seat stadium. It's still kind of small. Yeah. It, it is. It's small for it, college football, but... Yeah, but that's that's pretty big, pretty good size for a soccer stadium. That's big, big for over there, yeah. Um... And it's going to cost you 600 bucks just to get in the door and sit up at the top of Aviva Stadium. Now, maybe people are willing to pay that because they're banking on not having to pay for beer once they get there, hoping that the uh, the, the cash registers <laughs> at the concession stands will go out and they'll just say, free beer that. for everybody once again. So maybe, maybe you can justify it. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Did a little digging during the break. This is crazy. 
So this Notre Dame-Navy game is officially sold out out of Eva Stadium in Dublin. It's the 2023 Erlingus College Football Classic. Last year, the announced paid attendance for the Nebraska-Northwestern game was 42,000. Again, the stadium this year seats about 52,000. There is an article that I found with uh, the co-founder and director of the event, Podrick O'Kane, a quote that says, This year's event in Dublin will see the largest movement of Americans into Europe in peacetime, with the game set to provide a huge boost to the Irish economy and hospitality sector. No, listen, seriously, the lead to this story at Irish Central, written by Niall O'Dowd, was, can you name the overseas event that will attract the largest number of Americans ever to Ireland or indeed anywhere in Europe? You would be right if you answered Notre Dame versus Navy in Dublin. It really is an astonishing number, the biggest American invasion of Europe since D-Day. That's what she wrote, or he wrote. The names check out on these uh, on this story. They, they, they do. are very Irish. There are a lot of O very apostrophes. So, Last time this many Americans came here, they were, they were trying to... They were all armed. They, they and were, they saved us. They, they were coming to yeah. liberate us, and now we will celebrate yeah. with them with their sport. Uh yeah. So it's the third time that Notre Dame and Navy have played each other in Ireland. They did it in 1996 when Lou Holtz was the coach. They did it uh, once, I think, 2012 when Brian Kelly was the coach. But this is by far the biggest Notre Dame crowd that has ever traveled. They have gotten the numbers based on ticket sales and airline bookings. Yeah. And they are expecting nearly 40,000 Notre Dame fans. The um, it, it, this is the first time that Notre Dame's had a home game there, though. The other two have been when they played Navy. It was years that Navy hosted was the home team, but they never played Navy. They, they they never played them in Annapolis. They always play that game, right? And it's a it's a boon for Navy in terms of revenue. But they right. play it in Baltimore, right. they play it in Philadelphia, yeah, wherever. So yeah. What a cool idea. I mean, how much cooler is this than just the random... And I know people like the neutral site games. I, the the more I see these home-and-homes, the less I like the neutral site games. Uh, like, I love Ohio State-Notre Dame going to each other's place instead of playing that game in Indianapolis. It, it's just so much better well, that, that Marcus Freeman got to take the field in Columbus with Notre Dame behind him, knowing that he played... For, like, that kind of stuff is awesome. Yeah. This is a rare exception for me. And and you're seeing that more now. I mean, you look at Alabama, they've got Wisconsin home and home. They've got Ohio State coming up home and home. Uh uh Michigan or sorry, Notre Dame is going to Texas A and M uh home and home. So I mean there, there there's there's good teams are starting to get away from that. Now they'll still have these kickoff classics because there is a demand for them. But and, and, and by teams and large, are not teams are not gonna say no to those games. No, because the paycheck is game. so big. Paycheck's big. You're put on prime time on ABC or CBS. Or you're getting yeah. It's it's totally worth doing. You know, I mean, and 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 you look at like Florida State, uh, LSU these last two years, neutral site games, but not really. In the Superdome and then in Orlando, those they're they're they they might as well be home games. I would agree that it would be cooler at Tiger Stadium and at yeah. Dope Campbell, but if you're going to do a neutral site game, it's not really a neutral site. Speaking of 
Did you guys, I'm sure you knew, but I was just reminded that Alabama's playing at South Florida this year. That's right. <laughs> I still don't know how that happened. I would love to know. That had to have been scheduled out like in 2007, that year that South Carolina, Florida was like number two in the nation for a few weeks. They, like, we're, we're here. We're, we're not going anywhere. Let's get Alabama on the schedule. And, and they're moving toward a uh, toward a new on-campus stadium at yeah. USF. With this, one's play, this one's going to be played at Tampa Bay, right? Right. Yeah, at Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, so, so it's, I mean, at least it's that, but. And it'll yeah, be the biggest uh, USF crowd that has has shown up oh, yeah. for for a game probably in years in Alabama. I mean, you know, easy enough trip to Tampa. They'll take what 10, 15, 20,000 fans just because. Yeah. I guess. Easily. Yeah. So, well, one other piece of news today. Yeah, that's true. Too. One other piece of news today. Uh we got to give the Ole Miss Rebels some some congratulations. No longer the most vacated wins in college football history. Or the Ole Miss Rebels. LSU has gone in front of them as of today, after today's uh, NCAA uh, punishment. I used the, the air quotes when I said punishment. Uh, but they had to vacate three years' worth of wins from 12 to 15. So I guess that's I, technically four years. I think there's an additional congratulations that is uh, that is due Ole Miss, right? I mean, congratulations on being the last team to actually be punished by the NCAA. Is that correct? Are they like the absolute last? No, certainly, no, 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 no. Surely no, no. Southwest Missouri State got something, you know? No, I mean, there have been some penalties. I mean, you got Louisville basketball and whatever, but in yeah. terms of serious penalties? Yeah. Well, this is kind of the last one. Yeah. Hang the banner. It, it, last the, team punished by the NCAA. You mentioned it earlier. There's two lessons to be learned here. Uh, one is cheat like mad. Do it. If you were being careful, don't be careful anymore. Just go ahead and talk to don't don't do the thing with the high school player where, well, we've got a running back on campus that the collective gave this much money, and if you produce no, just hey, we'll give you hundred grand. Just do it openly. Everybody's tampering already. Tamper worse. Nothing's going to happen to you. There is absolutely nothing that is going to happen to you. LSU got caught in the most obvious, blatant. Two-sport scandal, undeniable since the pony excess. Nobody mm-hmm. has done worse than using a hospital charity to funnel money to players that ended with the booster going to prison. Nobody's done that. It's the worst one, and that's what they get. So just cheat like mad. But the other thing is, and this is down into the weeds that Hayda doesn't like, the NCAA cannot govern college sports anymore. They can't do it. No, they can't. They can't do they it. Can't. This is proof. Richard- they can't do it. I want you to put on. I want you to be a fan here for a second. I need you to put on your your Ole Miss Rebel fan hat for just a second. Me, Ole Miss, yeah, Ole right. Miss NCAA violations, right? But 2014, you go to the Peach Bowl, won the great Peach Bowl, but you, you had a great season. The next year, you go to the Sugar Bowl, that was a fantastic historic season for Ole Miss, and then you drop off for a few years, and now you know Kiffin has them back winning games. Was it worth it? Because I think the answer should be 100% yes. Was 16 through 19 worth 14 and 15? I I think yes. I, I'm not as Chief? I'm not I, no I'm I'm not as 
insistent on it as you. But but here's mm-hmm. here's my hesitation. I know more about the internal strife and, and some of the really hard stuff that has happened to have hap, that has had to happen internally, budget wise and and financially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That made doing business well, as an but, athletics department in the SEC really hard for a couple of years. But again, I said as a fan, the no, average no, fan know, doesn't know, know that stuff. I, I, I agree. Um, and the, the the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl. I mean, it might as well have been. It was the Super Bowl, yeah. The, the, the Sugar Bowl on January one or January two. It was it was January one, twenty sixteen. Was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Uh, and those two wins over Alabama, I mean, yeah, you know, those I mean, are historic yeah, days that you'll never forget as a fan. 100%. It's worth and, it. And, and look, I mean, I have the, the very unique and cool perspective of being on the field for all three of those events. And there are things that I can tell you about that day. I mean, I, I vividly remember the, the 2014 game in Oxford. You had college game day. We took the kids out that morning. It was the whole Katy Perry thing. We were backstage at college game day. Uh, you know, the the weather was absolutely perfect. The game was just ridiculously good. The crowd was insane. It was a little bit different in Tuscaloosa the next year, but the the I've told you guys this before. The image that I have is when they played Dixieland Delight at the start of the fourth quarter, and you looked up at that end where the Alabama student section was, and the Shakers that they called them, the the, the red and white pom poms, the crimson and white pom poms. It looked like there were ten thousand bayonets that were being like you, like wielded, like they were coming after you, and it, and it felt like the yeah. stadium was shaking. I mean, I'm standing on the sideline when that ball when Chad Kelly just turns and whips that ball into the air, and it's like, what is he doing? Oh, my gosh. He, he Adeboyjo's going to run away from everybody. <laughs> and, and and that was really cool. I, I mean, I talked to Robert Kimdichie on the field for a post-game interview that night. It was the most incoherent thing that has ever happened on the radio, and it was glorious. <laughs> and then that Sugar Bowl in 2016, my whole family went but they didn't have plans to go to the game. And I came, I I had someone that's like, hey, I've got tickets if you want them. And I didn't tell anybody in my family, but I just went ahead and bought them. And that was an expensive ticket. That was, And so my mom, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, Obi, Ava Montgomery, and Jane all sat in the stands. And they're watching while I'm standing there interviewing Archie Manning on the sideline before Ole Miss plays in the Sugar Bowl. That was pretty cool. Yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. We'll move past Notre Dame after this. I was I was looking at their schedule during the break. It's June twenty second. Yeah, that's okay. That's a good point. We're the Pearl I mean, River we, we Resort. We can talk studio. about whatever you want to talk about. Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. If you were a Notre Dame fan with means, even considerable means, 
And you were a person who says, you know what, I go to, I just go to football games. That's my hobby. That's what I do. I love Notre Dame football like nothing else. I go to Notre Dame games. You have in front of you one of the coolest schedules for 2023 that I can remember. But even if you have a great deal of means, this would be taxing on the pocketbook. Now, it's skewed a little bit because of how the season starts. So, playing Navy in Dublin, Ireland. Again, 40,000 fans, Notre Dame fans, are going to that game from the United States. Obviously, there are a lot of people that are figuring out how to pay for it. But it's not like the season stops after game one in August. They come home for Tennessee State. Okay, yeah, you don't care, but you're going. They go to NC State in week three. Borky mentioned that a minute ago. That'll be a really good environment at Carter-Finley Carter Stadium. That's, a, that's an underrated good ballpark in college football. They come home for Central Michigan. Okay, ho-hum. But it's a home game, and there's always something special about that at 2.30 or 1.30 Central time on Notre Dame's campus. Then, Ohio State at home under the lights. Back-to-back road games against Duke and Louisville. Then, on October 14th, which just kind of feels like the weather might be spectacular, under the lights, at home, against Southern Cal. And then a home game against Pittsburgh. And then a road game at Clemson. And then you get Wake Forest at home. And then you make a Thanksgiving week trip out to the West Coast and Napa Valley or whatever else. And then you do Stanford in Palo Alto to close out the season. That's a fun schedule for Notre Dame this year. Yeah, it is. It'd be cool to be a player on on this Notre Dame team. And I think it's going to be a pretty good Notre Dame team as well. With Sam Hartman, the transfer from Wake Forest, playing quarterback for them. Yeah, probably not a playoff team, but a team that will play in a a, a big bowl and win a lot of games and, and be fun to watch. Ten wins? This is a 10-2 yeah, sure. Notre Dame team? Why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if they win uh-huh. 10, that means they beat one of Ohio State, Southern Cal, or Clemson. They can win one of those games. Yeah. You made me so, bet it would be Southern Cal. I've heard, a, I've heard a number of people that are going, Southern Cal's schedule is harder this year. Washington's mm-hmm. really good in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. This could be a two or three loss Southern Cal team, which Just is like kind of hard year. to... They, they yeah, lost but, four games last year, didn't they? But, I mean, that roster should be better in year two under... Should be. Caleb Williams last year of college football. I mean, Lincoln Riley is not exactly Kirby Smart and, and, and Nick Saban. He hasn't reeled off a bunch of undefeated seasons. No, you're Really you're good right. coach, but, you know. I mean, if they if they go 10-2, and two, nobody's going to be just completely. You can go 10-2 and two and still win the Pac-12 South, too, especially if one of those losses is Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, speaking of transfers, do you guys see the uh, transfer news in college baseball today? Alabama freshman All-SEC player mm-hmm. Colby Shelton, who hit the transfer portal last week, set an Alabama freshman home run record with 25. Uh, he's going to Gainesville. He's going to go play for Kevin O'Sullivan and the Florida Gators, mm-hmm. who, by the way, are right. sitting at home 
are not sitting at home. They are sitting at the hotel, which is kind of like their home away from home in Omaha, just patiently waiting to see who their opponent is going to be as they try to win another national championship. Hmm. There you go. Okay. Good, good for you, Colby Shelton. Good for you, Florida. Poor Alabama. And then uh, Luke Holman, the uh, right-handed pitcher for Alabama, who was their ace. He was their game one starter. Entered the transfer portal today as well. I wonder if he's going to Gainesville also. Come on. I know at least one school that should be on, on the phone with him. At least one. I can think of two. Maybe two, yeah. Ceasefire text line, Tim and Corinth. Do you think Sam Hartman is a top five Heisman candidate? Do they no. win 11 games? Still, no. Because if they win 11 games, then yeah. It, it, yeah. If they win 11 games, but they're not going to, so no. I'd say if they win 10 games. I mean, if if Sam Hartman is able to replicate the numbers that he put up at Notre Dame, or at uh, at Wake Forest, at Notre Dame, with the schedule they've yeah. got and the exposure that they're going to get this year, I mean, in a lot of ways, the Heisman Trophy is a popularity contest. In every and he can way. get real popular real fast as the quarterback at Notre Dame. We're going to go to the Farm Bureau guest line when we come back. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll talk recruiting on the other side of this break. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV on this Thursday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Time to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Cooper Patagna joins us right now. He is the national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. And, Cooper, I'm just being completely honest with you. I think we've talked more recruiting in the last week and a half than we have since probably last December. Things have been popping here in the Magnolia State and kind of interested to get your take. Let's start with Mississippi State. This week in particular, has uh, has been busy for Zach Arnett and the Bulldogs. Yeah, it's been a great week, man. Uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me, but, um, you know, they're getting things going. It, it, it's funny, I was on a show earlier today, and that was kind of the same thing, you know, June, July, really starting to heat up. And for whatever reason, it seems like with early signing day in December now over the last couple of years, but it seems like a lot of these guys are starting to pop June, July. It's starting to become a lot busier time for us. We we're just out in L.A. and for the Elite 11 last week. So uh, it's busy season. But, no, with Mississippi State, man, I think they're attacking their board and they're attacking in-state. So you got to give them a lot of credit. Um, and it's kind of a, a different kind of urgency, I, I would say, in the first couple of months of um, the Arnett era. So excited about what they're doing. Same with Ole Miss. And uh, it should definitely make for an exciting couple months ahead of us in the fall. So, so Cooper, with recruiting philosophy at Mississippi State over multiple coaching staffs, this has kind of been the time of year when they have traditionally kind of started to really add to that class. They do the big 
the the big dog camp or the top dog camp, whatever it is. The hey dad gets mad at me for never remembering what it's called, uh, and then seem to get commitments <laughs> from that. But it goes a little bit farther after that with the announcement earlier this week from uh, from JJ Harrell out of North Panola in Sardis, Mississippi, and then Stonka Burnside, uh, Burnside right there in uh, in Starkville. What, what do we need to know about those two guys, Mississippi guys ranked with four stars, staying in home and both going to Starkville? Well, they're both really complementary pieces, and, and I like them. I think uh, when you look at Burnside, more of a physical slot receiver, can play outside and can do a lot of different things, but strong at the catch point. And very productive in terms of run after catch. Had over 1,100 yards receiving last year. I think double digit touchdowns. So he's a big physical kid, stocky build. Got to see him in Atlanta in February at the uh, Under Armour Atlanta Combine. And you know, with the other one, JJ Harold that you mentioned, you know, being able to uh, flip him from Tennessee, that's a big one. Uh, more unknowns with him. We don't have a lot of verified. Uh, data points on him, but in terms of what he can do, he can take the top off of defense. I think he is a vertical threat, and I think is a guy who could probably see the field day one just because what he adds from a speed element. So I like what they're doing there, those two in-state guys. I mean, that's what you want. You want to build your receiver room kind of like a basketball team. Everybody's a little bit different. So uh, I like those two two guys in-state and definitely guys they made priorities and got in the boat early. Cooper, over in Oxford, the big story was, was the commitment of 2023, now 2023, quarterback Austin Simmons. Sort of talk us through how a, a 2025 player reclassifies to 2023, and, and what is he going to bring to what is already a loaded Ole Miss quarterback room? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we've been kind of doing a little extensive deep dive behind the scenes. I, I do think he's a little bit older. You know, i got to go back and research. I don't know if he was held back or what, obviously – High academic kid as well. Um, you know, so you take all that into consideration. Um, but when you watch him, I mean, he's a mature pocket passer. He's got a baseball background, quick twitch in the pocket, can navigate, and a guy that is really sharp at the short to intermediate part of the field. I really like this kid, guys, in terms of the upside. Now, his grade might take a little bit of a knock going from 25 to 23. It's a hard thing to project sometimes. Uh, but if you're an old Miss fan, I'd be really excited about him. I, I, I do like the way he fits. I mean, the biggest thing is we don't have a lot of – we don't have a big sample size on this, right? Guys reclassifying different grades. Austin Mack did it on the uh, on the West Coast this past year at, at, at the University of Washington from 24 to 23. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, the biggest thing that you can't replicate is reps and that experience. So that's going to be the challenge for Lane Kiffin and company is how do you simulate – those reps for a guy like Austin Simmons, who you mentioned it, right? I mean, Spencer Sanders, you talk about Walker Howard, some of the other guys, Jackson Dart, obviously, in there as well. That's a loaded room, not to mention DeMond Williams, right? So who we got to see in Los Angeles this past week, who's really talented in his own right. So he's a little bit different of a flair. I think more of a traditional pocket passer. But I like his fit there. It's just hard to see. Like, when is he going to see the field? It's a, it's a competitive room. Cooper, so much of Ole Miss's recruiting under Lane Kiffin over the last couple of years has been through the the transfer portal. They've intentionally signed smaller classes. Do you see a little bit of a philosophy shift for the the Ole Miss staff, maybe with the addition of, of Pete Golding on the defensive side uh, to back to high school? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good point. You know, obviously, I think the biggest thing that has stood out to me is what they've done in the defensive line so far. I mean, Cameron Beavers is a guy that we haven't talked a lot about, but I love the kids upside, big, physical, uh, nasty nose tackle in the middle. I think he's going to attract a lot of attention. The other kid, Jeffrey Rush, man, he's a menace. So 
Yeah, I think Pete Golding's come in and he's kind of, um, you know, injected a little bit of that philosophy, understands the importance of building organically through high school. And I'll tell you why, because everybody's looking for point of attack players, whether it's offense or defensive line in the transfer portal, it's a really saturated market. So when you have those guys in state, you got to keep them in state. So I don't know if it's a pivot. I think it's more case by case. I think they're obviously going to be um, a fair share of guys on their way out after this year for Ole Miss. And I think they see an opportunity in state kind of build a little bit more organically. Maybe that hadn't been there the last couple of years. Cooper, this is a fantastic year for talent in the state of Mississippi. I think 24-7 has a couple of five-star kids and then a, a whole boatload of four-stars. You've got three kids that are currently committed out, out of state on the 24-7 top ten, uh, and that's uh, Jamonte Waller, who just committed to Florida this past week, uh, Kanan Daniels also committed to Florida, and Noriel White committed to Arkansas. Are those three guys that you see th- those commitments holding up, or are they going to end up being in state, at state or Ole Miss one way or the other? Is, is, are flips possible with those guys? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think you guys know this, and you can't rule out anything in the day of NIL, right? So, uh, Jamonte Waller obviously committing um, here this past week to University of Florida. I mean, I think these are typically ones that play out till the end. Now, I think there is a lot more alignment uh, with the people and the parties involved, uh, especially if NIL is involved. So, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, especially in the case of Noriel White as well. Um, I think these are open, man, like especially when it comes to Mississippi, the, the way these recruitments have panned out in the past. Like, it's not done until Penn goes to paper. And if you're Ole Miss, Mississippi State, you're going to continue to recruit these guys because you never know what's going to happen in the fall, right? And you might win games. Mississippi State might surprise. All of a sudden, you're sitting there in a really good position to get these guys in the boat. What are you thinking about uh, about Kamari and Franklin? Um, that, that's another guy that's that's highly coveted. Uh, I think took a recent visit to Ole Miss. Somebody that uh, I know the Rebels would love to add, but so would just about every other team in the uh, in the South. <laughs> he's a good player, man. I mean, he's he's over six five. He's two seventy five. For us in the evaluation process, we we kind of joke about it. it's always hard to kind of get eyes on these Mississippi guys. They don't go to a lot of events, right? But Kamarian Franklin was down in Miami today working out for Mario Cristobal and the Canes. Uh, and uh, my good friend Andrew Ivins, who's our director of scouting at 24-7 Sports, was able to get some eyeballs on him. So in terms of what he saw, you know, a lot of bursts, explosiveness off the edge, maybe a little tight in the hips. But, you know, there's not one program out there that wouldn't take Kamarian Franklin. So I think there's a guy, best football ahead of him, had, what, 19 sacks last year in 2022. So uber productive, got the basketball background like they're not a lot of creatures kind of walking around like him right so when you're able to get your hands on them you got to capitalize so i can see i mean Ole miss mississippi state um i love what Ole miss is doing in the trenches if they were able to add him to jeffrey rush and cameron beavers i mean that would be a heck of a trio right there Visiting with Cooper Patagna, he is a National College Football Recruiting Analyst at 24-7 Sports. Just a couple of minutes left. Florida's popped up a couple of times, right? Billy Napier and that Gators staff, have uh, they've been hot the last month or so. I'm so fascinated by what's going on at Florida because they weren't great on the field. Their schedule the next two years is ridiculously hard uh, are Billy Napier and that staff going to have enough time to, to build, and are they doing it the right way on the recruiting front? Have they finally kind of gotten everything organized and everybody pulling in the right direction? Well, listen, I, I liked what they did last year on the recruiting trail. I think a lot of people kind of gloss over that, right, because they were in the middle of it with uh, a guy like Jaden Rashada, and that ended up kind of being um, a little bit of an egg on the face in terms of public again this year with Austin Simmons, and then like 24 hours later it's like, 
Austin Simmons is in the rear view, right, with the run that they had last week. So, listen, yeah. they got a lot of resources there. That was part of the pitch when Billy Napier came there is that, listen, we're going to kind of bring an Alabama structural organization. I think they're doing a really good job on the recruiting trail. I will say this, though. Like, that 2024 schedule is brutal, and it comes down to quarterback. You don't have the quarterback play, then all of a sudden, regardless of what you're doing long-term, I don't know, you know, the question is, can they get enough done short-term, right? And the way last year ended at Las Vegas Bowl, Oregon State, ugly loss. And then you think about the quarterback room this year. It's like, I like the young pups, but you got Jack Miller – and, you know, outside of that, you're kind of, you're, you're pretty limited, right? So it'd be interesting. DJ Lagway, I like a lot. Wait, wait hold on. Are you not buying Graham yeah. Mertz stock, Cooper? Graham Mertz, that's right, yeah. No, I, and <laughs> with all due respect to Graham Mertz, but no, like, if that's the guy that you're, if, if you're hitching your wagon to, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little skeptical there. So we'll see what happens with, with Billy Napier. I like the way they're recruiting, the long-term vision. I see it. Short-term, it's like, you got to find a way to generate some wins, get into the postseason, get a little excitement, get the wind at your back. Cooper, great stuff, man. Really appreciate your time. I know you got a lot going on this time of year. It's good to catch up with you and hope we can talk again soon. I'm at the golf range, man, so I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. Uh, hit him good. Cooper Patagna from 24-7 Sports talking recruiting on the Farm Bureau. Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi. Patagna joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line, favorites.com. That's where you go to get the best deals from Farm Bureau. That's Mississippi's home team. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Good conversation with Cooper. And uh, maybe a few things to uh, think about a little bit as we uh, as we move forward toward National Signing Day. Um what what he said is something that I've heard in other places as well. Hey, Dad, it has to do with the. Uh, I, I, look, I'm sorry that I can't remember all the names. I think you've got them. The uh, the defensive lineman or the defensive player from the coast that just committed to Florida from Picky Picky Waller. Yeah, Jamata Waller. I've heard people say that's nowhere close to done. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true also from Noreal White from down there in Ocean Springs and Kanan Daniels, the running back from just up the road here in West Point. Those are recruitments I feel like will go all the way to signing day. Of course, the last time I said that, kid committed the next day. But you see what I'm saying. Where's Kanan Daniel committed? Florida. I just, I'm sure Florida's doing a good job of recruiting him and he's a really good player. I just have trouble seeing a kid from West Point get away from Mississippi State. I feel like state will be in that to the end. Yeah, that that seems to make uh, certainly seems to make sense. Maybe Florida finally figured out the collective situation. Remember when Florida promised a quarterback more money than they had in their entire collective? Remember that? It happens, man. Yes, I I still laugh the the. The Gator Collective, or whatever it's called, put out a tweet, and they were in the tweet. They said, "We are a force for good," and I was just like, "You're not the Avengers, guys. <laughs> you're not the Super Friends. Like you're trying to get football players to go to Florida. No, 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 no. Uh, 
No charitable endeavors have been had here. So I believe I know the answer to this. The Bulldog Initiative has not been operating as a nonprofit, correct? Yeah, we're talking about that that, that law that just mm-hmm. passed or something with the 501. Right. And guys, we're, go, we're going a little further than Brian Haydad is comfortable going into uh, accounting. But Five, I think 501 it's 501c3. 501c3, yeah. that's not in your wheelhouse? That is, no, no. And I, I believe that Charlie had, had said something that, that basically they were not operating that because he, he saw that coming down the road. Yeah. So that was going to be an issue. Th- that's good to hear because the the people that founded the Grove Collective had the same foresight that these yeah. these collectives operating as nonprofits that's not going to hold up. And then, sure enough, why are we so much smarter in the state of Mississippi? I know, right? We're, we're smarter. We're more athletic. We're better looking. Better cooks, brother. W- ladies, get to Mississippi. When it comes to our sports, we do a lot of things right around here. <laughs> we that's, really that's do. Right. I mean, gosh, I had a good joke by the way. Richard asking, he cut me, he didn't cut me off, but he had a question in there. He had a follow up. But I was going to say, that kid's GPA was 5.34. I bet if you combined our GPAs in college, you wouldn't get to 5.34. It would be all tight. Three, all three of us? It would be tight, I think. I'm just, I just feel it. Borky is probably the high end. My major Borky GPA might've, might've, was really good. Okay. The other stuff Those I didn't care though. about and didn't try. Yeah. <laughs> What was your GPA when you graduated? Was the first number a three or a two? Mine was a two. Yeah. It's like two seven five. But my major GPA was like a three right. two or something. We, can we can we combine for a three between the other two of us? You good are you good there, Richard? I, I graduated college with a two point oh oh. Which was the minimum required for graduation. <laughs> it's tighter than you thought. So, I, I make no excuses. Like I, I didn't put forth the effort. You've done okay. Even... You don't. You don't. You don't have to depolit. You've done okay since. Well, then. I, and I would like to think that I am more intelligent than whatever people equate as a two point zero zero GPA. I, I don't think that GPA is the the be all end all. Um, I will say this. I, I've thought this on a number of occasions. I really. You guys may think I'm weird for this. The prep work that goes in to a television broadcast. So if you think of, of, of a TV broadcast that I do during football season as an exam, mm-hmm. I don't know that I spent as much time in, entire, in an entire semester preparing for the entire semester's worth of exams for all of my classes as I spend getting re- no, as I spend getting ready for a single broadcast, yeah, and 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 the thing is, I love it. Like like I, I mean, I know it's crazy, but it's like okay, everybody goes to sleep at my house. They're out at ten thirty. I go to my office, and at two o'clock, I'm shutting it down. Like you know, I got to get some sleep because I got to get up at six to take kids to school. But I'll do that three nights in a week. And have ten or twelve hours in my office, building boards, researching, putting stuff in there, preparing what is basically the world's largest cheat sheet. And I have stopped and thought, you know, if I spent a quarter of this time preparing for tests in college, things might have gone a little bit better from a grade standpoint. But you know, I, I guess you, you every, everybody you has time something into what you like love. that. 
Exactly, exactly. You're an idiot savant. Yeah. The, mm, the, the first time my dad ever told me your studies didn't matter was after I got this job. I, I wish he had told yeah. me this sooner, because I used to get so much crap about my grades, he was like, oh, you spend more time at the bar than in the library. And I was like, well, Dad, the bar's called the library, so I spent a lot of time That's, in the library. <laughs> I was just about to make that joke. I'm so glad you made that uh, joke. But he told me... I'm in the library every day. Every day. Uh, six days a week. I would take a day off sometimes, but still have that lifetime card, by the way. Shout out uh, shout out, Dessler. I still have that thing. Hey. Um, oh, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead and finish. No, it's fine. It's, it's just after my first job, my dad finally said, Michael, take your GPA off your resume. He said, if somebody puts their college GPA on a resume when I'm trying to hire them, I put it in the back. He said, tell me what you can do now, not what you did when you were 19. And I was yeah, like, I you could have told me that when I was 19, Dad. Thank you. Yeah, I'd, I'd never put a GP on a resume because I wasn't particularly proud of it. I, I mean, I put that I had a degree. I mean, that was that was important. Graduate was like, is what yes. you put on that, yes. on that ba- resume. Ba- bachelor's degree, University of Mississippi. That, that was it. Uh, yeah. I have a very close friend who is smarter than I am. He is one of the more well-read people that I know. He has been successful in multiple fields, including in his current job. Um, his first semester at Ole Miss, and maybe his entire first year, I think it was just his first semester, he went buckshot. 0.00. And uh, it's turned out okay. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Yeah. Um and yet, what do we all do to our own kids? It, but but we had so, a kid. We kicked a kid out of a fraternity for going out of our fraternity for going buckshot. So like, even we had higher standards. Yeah. But even when I'm dealing with my kids, I, I mean, Jane and I will say to them, we don't care really. And this is a slippery slope as a parent when you're talking to a kid. We don't really care about your actual grade. And their eyes will kind of light up, Ava Montgomery's in particular, because she's the one that's, you know, farther along. She's in seventh grade, headed toward eighth grade now. And we're like, but what we expect from you is for you to do the best that you are capable of doing. And the grade that you just made is not reflective of the best that you can do, and therefore that grade is not good enough. And so I know it sounds like we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. We're really not. And, oh, yeah, and, and you know what? I, I do think that there is a pretty strong argument to be made that your actual grades in high school matter a whole lot more than your actual grades in college because your grades in high school are what set you up to get into college and to get scholarships and to re- get recognition and all of those things. All so, right. Good, st- good stuff. I, I had good grades in high school. There you go. Great. There you go. Dwayne and Brandon says 2.0, Richard, you didn't get kicked out. No, I mean, I, I didn't. I I was above that line until the very end, and then the taking full advantage of the of the forgiveness policy just coasted was, um, through the finish line there, huh? Yeah. I did work a yeah. lot while I was in college, if that matters for anything. Yeah. But Again, you you're doing all right. You don't have to apologize for anything. Uh, like so you're a says, ward of the state or something. Uh, glass half full. You might not be academically inclined, but you all are entertaining. So, thanks for that. 
Uh, David Tupelo says, hey, Dad needs to reveal his GPA. It was low. I don't even really know, remember what it was. Oh, come on, man. I just threw out that I had a 2-0. You got to be... It was less. You were sub-2. Oh, yeah. Was this... Um, was this because you didn't put forth the, the necessary effort? Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Donald in Oxford says that a 3.8 GPA in high school will get you 90% out-of-state tuition waived at the University of Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas's got well, some like good a, scholarships. Yeah, go back in, in time, you know. Yeah, for, for neighboring, neighboring states, some real good scholarship stuff in place for Arkansas. Eric Sorensen from Omaha, next. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour rolling on in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Time for us to chat with our buddy Eric Sorensen, who is taking up residence in Omaha uh, once again for the uh, the College World Series. Eric, I, I just want you to be honest. I think you always are, but especially right now. Of course. I, I want to know the, the back and forth of emotion for you last night. Knowing that if LSU won, your alma mater had a chance to play again and perhaps ultimately win a national championship. But if they lost, you would have your two days off where you can take one of your random little road trips and kind of hit the reset button before the championship series. That's right. That's right. You remember my little walkabout that I do every time between the bracket play and championship play. You're right. Um, I, I have to admit this to you, Rich. I would have been fine with LSU losing last night because when you're here for a week and more, you kind of just want brevity. You want you want things to get done with. Um, you, you, like like for instance, here's a perfect example. When Arkansas dropped that third that that out that they could have won the national championship in game two against Oregon State, mm-hmm. I was really bummed out because I was ready for Arkansas just to win it and let's get home and let's go. It's just that's. That's kind of the mentality you take. So, Rich, when I went into last night's game, I was like, you know what? It's great. LSU got here again. They've won plenty of championships. It wouldn't kill me to see Wake win this and just let's just go to the, you know, let me do a little walkabout and then let's go to the championship series. I have to admit that's kind of what my mindset was. Now it's kind of like, okay, anybody's ball game, I'm, I'm okay with whoever wins. And if LSU wins, then, you know, that's fine. That they'll, it'll be them in Florida, repeat of 2017. Here we go. Where would you have gone if you had had two days off this year? Uh, there is there is a, supposedly a haunted hotel up in Crofton, Nebraska, which is like the very northern tip of Nebraska, about three hours away. And I think I was going to probably go there. Um, the wife and I both we we made the road trip this year from we drove from Stanford to get here. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that's where my walkabout was going to be this year. Okay, very good. Do you do anything yeah. to decompress post College World Series? Uh, yeah, usually I do nothing for at least a week. And the other thing I try to do is I try to go to the beach as much as I can to even out my farmer's tan because over the last three or four weeks, 
I'm out there taking, I'm, I'm usually out taking pictures every once in a while. I'll be in the press box, but I'm out there taking pictures in the sun most of the time. And yeah, I got rings like, like that Wendy's commercial that you see where the kid's been out, uh, out in the sun too much. It just looks pink. I've got kind of like that pink arm and neck going on right now. So I usually try to hit the beach every day when I get back home and just try to even out the tan a little bit. It's a little ugly, but uh, it's what I do. There you go. Visiting with Eric Sorensen, D1 Baseball, talking College World Series. Well, now we're going to talk College World Series anyway. Um, (laughs) When last night's game ended, there was an assumption that we were set for the pitching matchup that every college baseball fan uh, is kind of dreaming of. Paul Skeens against Rhett Lowe. But it was only made official in the last 10 minutes or so. And and Tom Walter for Wake Forest after the game last night, very noncommittal. Rhett Lauder is throwing right. tonight for Wake Forest. Paul Skeens is throwing for LSU. How big of a treat are we in for? Uh, this is really great. Yeah, you kind of got that feeling. In fact, I even tweeted about, are we going to see these two last night? And I, I kind of knew we'd have to. Because if one coach goes with one of their studs, the other one has to match it with his stud. So, yeah, this this just made sense. You know, it's been five days. It's a little bit of a short rest. I think they'll in when they get to the big leagues, and that what it usually is about five days between starts. So yep. this is going to be neat. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Rich, this is going to be probably the best pitching matchup on paper going into a game that we have seen in Omaha. Hell, who knows? Maybe even forever. We'll see who, you know, sometimes, you know how it is. Sometimes, like, you, you get the Ben McDonald's once in a while. I hate to rag on my friend Ben, but, you know, he went to Omaha as the best pitching prospect in college baseball, and he just had a horrible series. Now, again, we're talking like 100 years ago when Ben was pitching for LSU, but he had a terrible series and got roped really quickly and got pulled. I don't know if we're going to see that from one of these two tonight. I wouldn't put it past him, though, because this is a shorter rest time than normal. But if all things being equal and they both pitch up to their potential, man, that's going to be something special. It's, it's really going to come down to one big bonehead mistake by one team. I think that's what it's going to be if these two are pitching up to their usual stuff. So far in this College World Series, Eric, I, I think if I'm counting right, there have been 12 games played. Six of the 12 games have been one-run games. Like, it's just been good yeah. game after good game. And frankly, most of them yeah. have been low scoring. When you think about this College World Series as a whole, do you, mm-hmm. what grade do you give it? Oh, A++. I, I really do. I think this year's College World Series, Rich, has been as as good of a uh, has been as good as a how do we say like a like it's legitimized college baseball as far as like being competitive being good yeah we haven't had any scores more than six runs i think right so there's no yeah there's no arena football scores we've still had some home runs it's not been as crazy as the regionals and super regionals were but we've had home runs and we've still had you know some excitement and obviously uh, you know, intensity to the last pitch just about. So I think it's been a good platform for college baseball, a good showcase. Maybe that's the word I'm yeah. A good showcase for people that maybe, you know, every year you get people that maybe haven't really paid attention to college baseball until this week, and they've seen a really good product uh, out on the field this year. I, I really like where it's been. And, again, like I said, it's not just that it's good pitching and defense. We have had some some home runs. We've had some um some some long ball here and there, and that's that's been good for for this uh, for this showcase as well. But man, this has been a really interesting College World Series, Rich. Uh, unlike anything I've ever covered as far as working it, 
it's any, unlike anything I've ever covered since I've started doing this like 20-some-odd years ago. Eric, one of the things that's so fascinating to me about LSU, I, I felt like they had, and you and I may have talked about this, kind of a, a fatal flaw. I mean, we knew that we knew that Paul Skeens was elite. We knew that yeah. Ty Floyd at times was really, really good. But after that, it was like good to they're, go, just, yeah. they're, they're missing pieces in the bullpen, and there's not a third starter. And I really felt like in these last two games that they've won against Tennessee and then last night against Wake Forest, they were just going to have to yeah. mash the ball if they were going to win. Well, then you get a career performance out of Nate Ackenhausen. Um, yep. And then uh, Griffin, um, oh, the kid that pitched uh, last the, night. Uh, Griffin Herring, yeah. Griffin Herring, who, who had to relieve Javen Coleman after kind of a rough start. LSU has gotten those two performances where you know somebody has to step up. Those two guys have stepped up in the biggest of ways and, and delivered something that I didn't know LSU was capable of. <laughs> Rich, you and I are so simpatical on this. We are. It's like we've shared our brainwaves. I thought the exact same thing. I thought, well, you know, if LSU can bash their way, kind of like the old regionals day where they, the old regionals times back in when it was six team regional, you had to just you just had to bash your way through the final two or three games. And I, every every day I go out to the stadium. You've been here before a couple times, mm-hmm. I know. Every time I come to the park, I look at the flags in center field. And both of the last two days, they've been blowing in pretty blis- pretty briskly. And I thought, okay, this isn't good for LSU. I know Wake Forest and Tennessee both have guys that can put it out of the yard, but they don't rely necessarily just on going up there and hacking and getting a home run. But LSU kind of does. So I thought it was really bad news for LSU, but here they are. Man, the, the pitchers you just mentioned is exactly – they've came through with uh, almost like Michael Roth-type performances in the last two days, uh, like, like he did for South Carolina back in the yeah. – uh, was it 2010 or – yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've gotten some pitching performances that have been transcendent, and that's why they're still alive because, you know, that it's not like they're scoring 10 or 11 runs to beat Tennessee or Wake Forest. They're doing it by, by low scores – and they got the pitching they needed. And you and I were both kind of thinking the same thing, like, oh, boy, after Paul Skeens, it's just, it, it, it can be, it can be uh, just willy-nilly. It can be anything. Um, but here they are playing, pitching good, and having guys step up that we didn't expect, and, uh, and that's why they're still in this thing now. Of course, saying that, watch tonight be a 13 to nothing win for Wake or something like that, you know. Who, who yeah. knows if it'll maintain, but... But no, with Skeens on the mound, it's not going to be, and and so it'll be a great it'll be a great matchup, and it'll be low scoring again, um, more than likely, unless something crazy happens. That's it, it's just it's almost uh, determined, predetermined that it's going to be this good of a game again tonight. Hey, have you seen Rhett Louder in person yet? Yeah, well, the first game that he threw on uh, Saturday, I guess it was. Um, that was the first time I got to actually see. Like, I didn't even get to see him on TV any this year. Uh, never had a chance to by chance, so I was really excited to see him. And he did okay. He wasn't he wasn't completely dominant, but he did well enough for them to get a W. Obviously, and it'll be really interesting to see the, how he does here against this LSU lineup tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great uh, great scene, no doubt. Eric, always appreciate yeah. your time. Yep. I love that you love college baseball as much as you do. You, you know the place <laughs> that I have for college baseball in my heart. Uh, it's been another sure. fun year visiting sure. with you throughout the season, buddy. Yeah, let's get one of your Mississippi teams back here, though, man. It's weird not having them even in the NCAA tournament. I hope that turns around uh, for next year, for, for your sake especially, man. I, I hope we have all three of them in next year. It certainly makes our jobs <laughs> a little more fun as well. We'll talk soon. Thanks, That's Eric. Right. Thanks, Red. See ya.
Eric Sorensen, he is joining us from Omaha, Charles Schwab Field, where tonight you got LSU and Wake Forest round three in this College World Series. The winner will play Florida in the National Championship Series starting on Saturday evening. We'll be back right after this Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Catch up with Eric Sorensen. Guy loves college baseball and uh, always fun to uh, visit with him. Sports Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601 879 4395. We had some GPA texts. Some of these are funny. I pulled a buckshot. That is 0.00 for a semester. And now I'm a college instructor. Congratulations. Here's one. I had a few that I wouldn't be surprised if they'd... Yeah. Yeah. Had a pledge brother that was in school on, I believe, the Hunter Henry Scholarship, being paid to go to school in engineering. First semester, he went 0.25. Only reason it wasn't buckshot is I signed his name into the Intro to Mechanical Engineering class a couple of times. Needless to say, he lost all that scholarship money and did not get initiated so he was not a fraternity brother just a pledge brother man what were those things called you guys are, are a lot older than me so you probably didn't have this technology yet but the the little devices uh and so instead of signing your name in you you had to to get it out and like check in on those devices i don't remember what they were called honestly but uh after rush was over that, that yeah, you, that's how not, you would check into class it, it was about this big and that's how you would like if you would have te- or quizzes, and the press would put questions up on I, on the projector, and I you would have to enough. answer on your little device. I'm old enough that you know we just they just took roll, and you had to write down your answers to the quizzes. Well, I'm talking these are big classes, like the three four hundred person class, like the huge auditorium Same. classes. Uh, we didn't have any devices in, in, well, in those classes my, that I recall. My, my favorite was after rush uh, when they would send. One pledge to these classes, and this kid would have a backpack full of these devices, and he'd be checking everybody in the classes in his seat, just checking everybody in the class. Oh, man. Good old days. Dan in Hattiesburg says, In 1990, Mississippi State invited me to take my knowledge elsewhere. The clicker, that's what it was called. Yeah, you'd have a pledge with a backpack full of them, and he would answer all the questions, and he would check everybody in. Brooks and Gulfport left Jones with a 3.8, went to state, then transferred to MC, finished with probably a 2.5 or so. Lots of C's. Currently on track to make the most money in a year that I've ever made in the decade since graduating. Grades aren't everything in college. Get the degree if you go. That's good enough in my book. Okay. There you go. We got uh, one as well. Somebody said I was a nerd. I had a 4.0. Hey, nerds are cool. Hey, 
Good for you, that. though. Good, good for you. I mean, if that means a nerd, I mean, Jane was a nerd. I don't know if she had a 4.0, but it was really... <laughs> you married <Yeah>. a nerd. <laughs> I, yeah. She's way cooler than I am. We, yeah. Maybe not saying much. Uh, I'll just I'll I'll yeah, use the punchline for you. I'll steal it for you. Um, yeah. I mean, I wish that I could tell you that I was a four O student. Now I, I just wasn't. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's exactly how you're going to. Um, uh, doesn't mean it's how your whole life's going. Somebody sent us a message. Also said they had a friend that went buckshot and got kicked out of school and. Last year sold a company that he owned and started for $46 million. So it had worked out okay. Good for you. He's doing all right. Yeah. I wish I had a company to sell for $46 million. That'd be great. Especially if it was one that had no debt. Like that was just a profit sale. Yeah. That'd be awesome. You remember the Snuggie? Mm-hmm. That dude's worth millions of dollars. The dumbest ideas are sometimes the best ones. Sometimes. Sometimes. We will add uh, another team. We will check another team off the list today on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. That's coming up today in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got a college football fix coming your way as well, and a whole lot to get to. Uh, But first, we will remind you that Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel Apparel. Their website is genteelapparel.com. Yeah, all three of us today yeah. rocking the uh, Today's show the, uh, is literally brought to you by Genteel. I mean, definitely. I got the palm leaves going today. Got green and white and uh, light blue alternating stripes. Yeah. And the pants. Which hey, feels like I'm not wearing maroon pants, and white. And that's great. Believe it or not, I'm in maroon and white. Yeah, never, never would have guessed. Uh, Genteel, available online at genteelapparel.com. Also available at men's... Specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi, including Smith & Company in Greenwood, Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, and the Country Gentleman in Greenville. They've got great summer gear. Their swim trunks are awesome. Um, Trying to decide how much detail to go into. So the, the swim trunks have a drawstring, but they also have a snap and a zipper. And you know the frustration that exists when you're wearing swim trunks and you have to go to the men's room, and you got like liner swim trunks on. The design of the liner of these swim trunks includes a a cutout, like just below the waistband. An escape hatch? No, no, no. <laughs> an it's not an escape hatch. <laughs> just below the waistband. That means you don't have to undo the drawstring. Like you can unbuckle and unzip, and like <laughs> it's, an it's just. Hatch. I'm telling you, the swimming trunks are great, and you can get them at genteelapparel.com. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. I hope you were listening six minutes ago. We haven't stopped laughing. Uh, uh, that's the most uh, I've man. laughed through a break since uh, David Hellman called you a Mississippi State fan. That, that's the most I've laughed through mm-hmm. a break. I didn't think that was all that funny. Uh, I, <laughs> I still listen to that clip at least once a month. <laughs> Whenever I'm feeling down. 
Five o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi Street. I don't even know if I described yet adequately what what I was trying to make. Honestly, escape hatch works. (laughs) It works. That's all the information with our with our patented escape hatch technology to provide a more comfortable and discreet (laughs) swim trunk branching experience. Uh, man. <laughs> I had a dear friend who's no longer with us when he would excuse himself. He goes, excuse me, need to go to the branch office. Okay. All right. Gentile hey, apparel. Do you need to ask a man about a horse? <laughs> Gentile apparel. <laughs> I'm having lunch with Blake tomorrow from uh, from Gentile. I- I've already texted him. I think you got a kick out of this. I hope. <laughs> this either uh, this either just solidified our relationship with Gentile or ended it. Yeah. I don't know which one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get back they're, to you guys. They're either. They're canceling the contract, or they wanted to do a ten-year extension. That's that's where we are. Not sure there's any. I promise in I will be. Uh, I promise I will still be immature when I'm 57. Don't worry, guys. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. How about 18 holes at Dancing Rabbit, or 36? But it doesn't have to be 36 on the same course. You got two 18-hole championship courses: the Oaks and the Azaleas, part of Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Uh, we told you back in the spring that uh, the Azaleas course had undergone some renovations this year. They redid the bunkers at beautiful new white sand, kind of reshaped some of those. Golf courses are in great condition, and it's easy if you want to play. Just go to their website, dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can book your tee time or plan your trip, because this is a great getaway trip for you and some buddies, maybe a couple's trip. Uh, they've got the uh, the newly renovated um, uh, I guess I just call them rooms. I mean, they're more like small apartments almost. Yeah. Um, but there are eight rooms above the pro shop in the uh, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Building. Get the big wraparound porch that goes all the way around. Uh, you, so, I mean, think about it this way: if um, if you like cigars or you like a a cocktail in the evening, you can play golf during the day. You can go to dinner at Philip M's or at Mama and M. Uh, you can go to the sports book. You can hit the uh, the gaming floor for a while if uh, you're interested. And then when it's time to turn in for the night and everybody goes back, but maybe you're not quite ready to go to bed, slide out on the rocking chairs on the porch overlooking the golf course, a little nature, a little cool evening, cocktails, cigars, whatever it is you're looking for, they've got you covered at Dancing Rabbit Golf Course. It is just spectacular. Uh, let's jump into a little college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Jump into an F-150. You get a sunroof on your F-150, you would have an escape hatch. Never know when you'll need one. 2023 Ford F-150, 46 straight years. That's how long F-Series has been the best-selling truck in America. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. There if are we ever get a people... merch store... Escape hatch tees are going to sell. I'm just going to let you know. One of these days. Got to get that merch store up and running. Yeah. One of these days. Um, 
Bill Hancock is one of the nicest people I've ever met. He is also the greatest company man in the history of company men, and he is someone that you can disagree with, and he never stops smiling. And his tenure as executive director of the college football playoff is coming to an end when his contract expires on February 1st, 2025. It's by his choosing, by the way. He was not pushed out. Bill Hancock is a wonderful man who has a wealth of experience in big sporting events. He was the executive director of the BCS. He transitioned over to the college football playoff. It has been a massive success. He will work this year's college football playoff. A new executive director will be named and then he will serve as kind of a mentor, sounding board, there to answer questions guy for the uh, for the final year of his deal, running through that first year of the expanded college football playoff. All all three of us have have spent time with Bill at SEC Media Days. He sits down and visits with us every year. Um, the company man thing is interesting though, because when it was the BCS and we kept talking about a playoff. He would just stick by the fact that the BCS is the system by the which we uh, re- crown a national champion, and it's been incredibly successful. And once we got to the college football playoff, almost immediately the questions about expanding the college football playoff started, and he just stood by, we got a 12-year deal in place, we've done a great job crowning a national champion, this system is working, I see no reason for expansion, right up until the point that it was announced that the college football playoff was going to expand, and then Bill was the first one to tell you how great the 12-team college football playoff was going to be because it was more inclusive and it opened the door for more teams. So whatever the system was that employed him, he was its greatest champion and will continue to be uh, as he makes his final year-plus as the executive director. You, you guys agree, right? Super, super nice guy. Oh, yeah. Yes. Master yes. of talking a lot and saying nothing. It was pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. Give Sankey a run for his money yeah. on, on being able to concoct a word salad. Um, but but says it like he's your grandfather. Of course. I mean, Not yes. like he's an academic yes. scholar. You just want to listen to every word. Yes. Um, and did a great job, and, and all everything you mentioned is absolutely true. I'm curious to know where they go from here mm-hmm. with the position. I, I want us to go down that road. I want to say one more thing about Bill Hancock before you take us down that road, Borky. He lost his son a few years ago as well. Mm-hmm. And to deal with his grief and kind of go – I mean, the, the he wrote a book called Riding with the Blue Moth. And the the way they describe the book, it became a journey in discovery as well as one of, uh, as well as one of recovery. He rode his bike like across the country, hmm. and kind of as a tribute to his son and as a way to deal with his grief, kind of on the open road and and whatever. He's just he really is one of the the finest gentlemen that you will ever meet. But I think your question, Borky, is a really really interesting one. Where do they go from here? And side question is, how, you know, what what do people think of that position? But but what is that position going to become? I mean, Shannon Terry of On Three floated something that we've talked about a lot the other day. And and look, I, we have a huge platform, over three million people in our listening area, tens of thousands of people listen to us every day, and, and then some. But 
when you're the head of the third created National College Football Cover Network, and you you say out loud, this is trending towards the NCAA only really handles the basketball tournament. Then, then people are talking. There's merit right. to it, and this is the organization. This is the structure that already exists to lead that charge. Is that what they want to undertake, though? There's already been some. I don't even know if reporting is the right way to describe it, but there are some people who have knowledge behind the scenes that say the NCAA is already pivoting to really try to protect its most important property, which is the men's basketball tournament. Makes them over a billion dollars a year, and to their credit, they do it really well. They do it really well. They absolutely do. Now, there's some stupid stuff that goes along with it, but they do it very, very well. So, Borky, if the college football playoff becomes the entity which runs major college football, this job is very, very different. It's not a figurehead job. It's not a PR job. It is, it's, it's not just a overseeing event production job. It becomes arguably the most important job in college athletics. You know what it becomes? The commissioner. That's what it becomes. All right, so who's next? Greg Sankey. Ooh. Would that job be better or more powerful than his current position? It's like more headache for, doesn't it for de- less. Doesn't it depend know. on what he wants it to be? Does he consider take into consideration these like, look, if I'm the college football playoff commissioner, there's going to be so many people like, oh, you got three SEC teams. He's going to get in three, four SEC teams. Like, do you want that headache? Just stick with the SEC yeah. and get your three teams in. Uh, the, the right salary can make me tolerate a lot of headaches. His salary's already pretty good. True. I mean, and I so tolerate y'all for the right salary. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi will be back. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. going to be instrumental in the selection of the next executive director of the college football playoff? Richard Cross. Uh, no, my reach is not that far. I don't think, anyway. But I could try, but I doubt it. Uh, Dr. Mark Keenum, who is... Yeah. I assume that he is still occupying the role of uh, president of the college football playoff board of managers. It's made up of 11 university presidents and chancellors. Uh, Neely Bendapudi, who is the president at Penn State, Tim Caboni, president at Western Kentucky, Jim Clements, president at Clemson, Gordon Gee, the president at West Virginia, previously at Ohio State and before that at Vanderbilt, Jack Hawkins, the chancellor at Troy, 
Reverend John Jenkins, who is the president of Notre Dame. Mark Keenum, president at uh, Mississippi State. Kirk Schultz, the president at Washington State, who has ties to Mississippi State, I believe. Doesn't he? Correct. Was, yeah, he was, he was, a, a, he was an administrator of Mississippi State. Or something like that? Yeah. Uh, Satish Tripathi, who is the president mm-hmm. at Buffalo. Gerald Turner, who is the outgoing president at SMU, and Keith Whitfield, who is the president of UNLV. So, and Gerald Turner has is former Ole Miss chancellor, correct? For, former chancellor at Ole Miss, absolutely. Yeah. Left in nineteen. So let me ask you this: five, four, five, something like that. He's been at SMU a long time. So let me ask this: when you look at the the last two, oh, the last couple commissioner hires. They seem to be going outside of college sports to find mm-hmm. people. The Big Twelve, yeah. you know, they're looking at it more as like more like a business things like that. Does does the college football playoff need to do that, or are they just such a college sports thing that they got to stay in in their lane of college sports? It depends on who it is. I think there are some people in college sports that are not only qualified but forward-thinking enough to really make sense for that position. But, I mean, do you go the athletics director? I mean, do you take a a sitting AD? You know what Uh, they should do? Find somebody that works with the NFL. Because, as I say all the time, I am a broken record College sports has gone so far past professional sports. When people compare the two, they do it wrong. They do it completely wrong. College sports is so far beyond professional sports. There are salary caps. There are spending limits. I know a draft can't happen in college, but still. There are contracts. There are rules. They are enforced. There's regulation. You can't get around it. If you try, you get punished. Ask the Dolphins. Somebody... It didn't necessarily have to be the NFL, but it's a football thing. Somebody that navigates the world of that. Who's willing to help college football modernize itself in the world that it's in. Because I know a lot of our listening audience doesn't care for the NFL, but what you can't deny is it's so incredibly well run. Yeah, Everything about it is efficient. They maximize every dollar. The exposure is, I mean, it's in in an era of entertainment where everything is dropping. Music sales, album sales drop, television shows not getting watched by as many people, cable packages, fewer people are buying them. Everything is going down, not the NFL. It's in constant growth. Somebody that's been in those waters and that's navigated this and that understands the money and the television stuff, how to bring that to college sports, I think, would be so valuable. And I'm not sure just a random sitting AD, depending on who it is, would be qualified or as qualified as somebody that has lived that for years already. Yeah, if not for his age, Jack Swarbrick stepping down as Notre Dame AD in a year um, is somebody that might make sense there, but he'll be 70 years old. When uh, this happens, you know, do, do you want somebody that, that's younger? I think you need somebody that is very experienced. 
I mean, I could give you – like, I'm looking at the page that's got the NFL executive team on it. I could give you names, but they wouldn't be names that you necessarily recognize. I mean, obviously a guy like Troy Vinson is not going to transition to college football. He's the executive vice president for football operations at the NFL. He's not going down. Uh, I, I know nothing about Brian Rolap, the chief media and business officer who is a young guy at the NFL. I don't know anything about him, but, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe. But I do think your original question about what the job entails matters a lot as to who you're getting to run the college football playoff. If it's largely a figurehead position, then it probably doesn't matter nearly as much. If you are on the way to a transition of the college football playoff, the CFP running college football and being the de facto commissioner of major college football, then yeah, it does make sense to go grab a high-level executive from the NFL or try to convince a Greg Sankey to come and do it. Joe Castiglione is retiring from Oklahoma. No, he's not. He hasn't announced that. He, he will in the next, what, five years, eight years? Joe Castiglione's been there a long time. Maybe the most respected athletics director in all of college athletics. He's done a great job at Oklahoma for a long time. Do you think they realize that the power they all already have before they even take another step? The, going to 12 teams changed conferences. Now, they didn't but, tell but, the conference to change, but, but that changed conferences. what does that job entail? Yeah. What are they willing to take on? I mean, Or, or what will they be mandated to take on? Sure. Because that's really what it comes down to. But, I mean, when you're naming the champion, who's more powerful than you? When, when you decide who, I mean, it, who it's wins, the engine that drives all of college athletics. Yeah. When you're the decider of who wins, who is more powerful than you? They already wield that power. Do you, I wonder if they... I hope we get to sit down with Bill at SEC Media Days. Mm-hmm. We have the past couple of years, so I'm sure I'm sure we'll get that chance. Because yeah. I would love, and I don't, he's he's a pro, so so he'll give the stock answer. But just to ask him, hey, do you when you expanded to twelve, did you realize what you caused? Did you know what you were going to cause? Conferences added teams, the shuffling began, divisions were gotten rid of, scheduling models were blown up. Why? Because the college football playoff made one decision. It affected but, every Power but, Five conference. Well, hold on, hold on. But the 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 conference expansion craze started before the announced expansion of the college football playoff. But you think it was all everybody was reading tea leaves? Possibly, but even if they they weren't, that decision made all these changes. If the college football playoff was still at four, would everything be as it is? Would this, if the college football playoff was still at four, would the schedule debate in the SEC have happened the same way? No. No, no, absolutely not. There would be no conversation about a nine-game schedule if the college football playoff was staying at four for the SEC because it makes no sense. But with it going to 12, there is a greater opportunity for teams to get in with yeah. more losses. But I would I would disagree with you on, on one point, though, Borky. I, I don't think... 
conference expansion and the, the jockeying to get into different leagues is as much because of the expansion of college football playoff as the revenue disparity in the Big Ten and the SEC. And, and teams like Southern... I mean, you think, think about it. Southern Cal and UCLA are leaving the Pacific 12 Conference. They are in Los Angeles, California. Both of those campuses are quite literally within 15 miles of the Pacific Ocean. And they are leaving that conference to be part of a conference that is rooted in the upper Midwest. Not because of geography, not because of traditional rivalries, not because it makes sense on any level other than on a balance sheet. They're not going so that they can play more marquee games. USC's not going to the to the Big Ten just so that they can play Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan. They're going to the Big Ten because there's more money there. But I think to a certain degree all of it's tied together. I, I, I certainly will give you that. But those moves are driven by money more than the college football playoff. But in the process of those moves happening, it has become more and more clear that there is a division within the Power Five of the haves and the have-nots, and maybe that drives us more toward somebody other than the NCAA has to be in charge of all of this. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. You know, buying a new car or truck or SUV can be a nerve-wracking experience sometimes. Not when you shop at Belt Ford and Oxford Toyota. But sometimes the nerve-wracking experience doesn't have anything to do with actually buying the new or used vehicle. It has to do with when you have a problem after you've bought it. Because the nature of the beast is your vehicle needs service. It needs maintenance. Sometimes it's stuff that's just routine, like oil changes and tire rotations, and sometimes it's stuff that's uh, that's more major, and it's stuff that maybe you can't fix in your own driveway. No, Hard to be a weekend mechanic with computer chips and diagnostics and all those things. Well, when you buy at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, you are covered by an outstanding service department. They've just opened up a, uh, a new lane that gets you into the service department at Belk Ford on the west side of the building. If you're looking at the front door of Belk Ford, it's over on the right side. So if you're used to going to the left side for the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, it's on the opposite side of the building. It may throw you for a loop, but they've got more room to do more service. And they even do diesel work, which is really hard to find people that can handle uh, good diesel work. So if you've got uh, a diesel vehicle, they can help you out at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Check them out. Belk Ford, Oxford, Toyota. And tell them we sent you from Sports Talk Mississippi. 
Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, we need to uh, pick up a team on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. E-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, Team number 72 with a ranking of 74 in the S&P Plus, the Marshall Thundering Herd. Remember when they beat Notre Dame last year? Uh, yes, I do. That rule. It was, it was pretty spectacular. I think it was in Philadelphia. I was watching that in the, uh, in the TV booth before a Temple game. It was, uh, it was really cool. So, Marshall last year on the field went nine and four. Uh, actually, I was in Tampa, Florida. It was week two. So they beat Norfolk State and then they beat Notre Dame in week two. And are you familiar with the golf term? Right, you're playing a skins game, and sometimes the rules in a skins game are you got to validate. Right, you have to uh, if if you win a skin to actually cash the skin in. You've got to make par or better or bogey or better, whatever, depending on what the rules are, on the very next hole. Well, if Marshall was looking to validate the week after winning against number 8 Notre Dame in South Bend, they failed. Because the following week, they went on the road to Bowling Green, Ohio, and lost in overtime 34-31. Talk about a buzzkill. From 2-0 and with a win over a top-10 team in the country to 2-1 and with a loss at Bowling Green, and then they lost the week after that at Troy. So they were then 2-2. Two and two. They beat Gardner-Webb, lost to the Raging Cajuns. Really good win against James Madison. That was on the road in Harrisonburg at about the halfway point of the season. They lost to Coastal Carolina, then went on a little bit of a run, beat Old Dominion. Hey, Dad, this is one of those scores, 12 to nothing. How do you get to 12 nothing in a football game? Come on. Are we talking two missed extra points? Are we talking touchdown field goal safety? Without looking, I think they have a missed extra point, and then they went for two and didn't get it. That's one of my guesses. Let's see. I have the box score right here. Uh, In the second quarter. Let's see, we got a field goal, another field goal, another field goal, and then a touchdown. Oh, they went the hard point route. It was not converted. Well, it was 12 no. Oh, no, no, right? no. They, they kicked four field goals. Yeah, it's four field goals. They went, it's, like, it's like rolling eight the hard way on the craps table there. Here we go. Jeez. They went 33, 26, 30, and 23. Couldn't finish drives in that game, but they still beat Old Dominion. Um. Yeah. Anyway, nothing like going through a Marshall box score from a year ago in our countdown of 100 teams in 100 hey, days. <laughs> they, they beat App awesome. State in Huntington. They won at Georgia Southern in Statesboro. And uh, they beat Georgia State to close out the year and beat UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl at Brooks Stadium in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's actually in Conway, South Carolina, nevertheless. So 9-4 right. and four last year. Charles Huff is the head coach. 16-10 and 10 in his first two years. And that was, that was thought of as a pretty good hire. He was Alabama's running backs coach. Yeah. 
He had the the air of a future head coach the one year he was in. When I when I talked to him here in Starkville, you guys like this is a guy I think could be a head guy one day. Yeah. So Marshall, um, one of the teams that made the move from uh, Conference USA to the Sun Belt. Man, they've been part of a bunch of leagues. The WVIAC. I'm going to say that's the West Virginia Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. And then the Buckeye Conference. And then they were part of the OVC. And then the MAC. And then the SOCON. And then Conference USA. And now they have found a home in the Sun Belt. I mean, I've been everywhere, man. That's Marshall. This year they open with Albany. They go to East Carolina. They uh, they host Virginia Tech in week three. Virginia Tech rolling into Huntington, West Virginia in week three. How is that? That's good stuff. Got NC State on the road. Southern Miss not on the schedule this year for Marshall. With the Thundering Heart. Didn't play him last year, don't play him this year. Feels like a break for Southern Miss. I think so. Tough game. Yeah, good program. Break for Marshall, too, though. Southern Miss is no slouch. I can never not see Marshall or think about Marshall without the movie, which obviously was based on a a true story, not that the movie was the thing. But, man, I've watched it twice, and I got emotional both times, and I refused to do it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tough story. It's a good just movie. Couldn't. I mean, it was so well acted and so well done. McConaughey's the man. I know he's goofy, but my gosh, he did so well in that movie. But that's so hard to watch. Is Bob Pruitt the uh, the, the standard bearer when you think about coaches at Marshall? He left Florida as a defensive coordinator, become the head to become the head coach there. They went 94 and 23 with two undefeated seasons, six conference championships, won five of their seven bowl games, one double A national champs in 96, moved to 1A. Say what? Wasn't Jim Donnan the head coach there, too? He was. He was there before Bob Pruitt. Yeah. Absolutely was. I think of Jim Donnan first. Hmm. Let's see. They won one double A championship and they finished runner up three uh, three out of five years. 91, 93, 94. Correct me if I'm wrong. Pretty sure those years he was runner up, they were losing to Youngstown State and Jim Trussell. I believe that is correct. They won in 92 over Youngstown State. Yeah. So uh, he left Marshall to take the Georgia job. Man, the, the players that Bob Pruitt had Chad Pennington, Randy Moss. Eric Cresser, who transferred away from Florida, right? Yeah, he was a highly recruited guy. And then uh, Chad Pennington. Oh, I said Chad Pennington as well. Very good. Left which and, w- and Stan Hill. Too, he? From Tupelo? Yeah. From Oxford. Yeah. Moved to Tupelo. Okay, that's right. High school, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they've had a uh, had a heck of a run at, uh, at Marshall. Through you didn't the, expect yeah. me to know who that was, did you? No, I did. Absolutely, I did. Okay. So, um, it was crazy. So Johnny Hill was coaching at Tupelo while Stan was playing at uh, at Marshall. And he maybe came back mm-hmm. to Oxford at the end of that run. I don't remember the exact time frame, but he would coach a football game on Friday night wherever Tupelo was playing, and then he'd load up on Mountain Dew and hit the road and drive to either Huntington, West Virginia, oh, or wherever Marshall was playing. I'm not sure he missed a single game that Stan played in. That's incredible. I mean, you want to talk about dedication? That's that's good stuff. 
Really I'm all uh, hyped up on Mountain Dew. Yeah. Yeah. Man, those all-night drives had to be just draining. Marshall, good program, though. That's a uh, Huntington, West Virginia is an interesting place. It's a, I mean, that town is driven by Marshall. It's a passionate yeah. fan base. Not a huge fan base, but it is a very passionate fan base. About an hour from Charleston, West Virginia. So it's just a beautiful part of the country. It, West it Virginia really is a beautiful state. I, I I know that there are jokes about West Virginia. Like I, I get it in couch burning and. You know, Appalachia and all that good stuff. But West Virginia, the state, is gorgeous. Here's the situation. The song Country Roads is not about West Virginia. It's about the western part of Virginia. (laughs) One of my favorite videos. Gets me every time. I laugh every time I watch it. He's so into it. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll come back and wrap it up with you just after this break. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Don't forget, you got a couple of weeks left, a couple of Sunday nights left of the Summer Sunset Series. That's happening in the Grove on the Ole Miss campus on Sunday evenings during the month of June. Fun time for the family, especially when the weather's nice, catch a little breeze, good music, take a picnic out there. It is a fun, fun summer Sunday evening activity. For a full list of events that are happening in Oxford, be sure to uh, visit their webpage. Visit OxfordMS.com or follow on their social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at VisitOxfordMS. What's wrong, Borky? Victor Wimbanyama, who's about to go number one overall, uh, needs a new agent. Well, he just needs some new advisors. I mean, the Uh, agent might be okay. Whoever let him... Is he dressed like a schmuck? He he's wearing all green. He looks like Gumby. He looks just I mean, he's like seven Gumby. foot three and skinny as a rail. He looks like Gumby. It is incredible. He's gonna get roasted now. Who's does that make Popovich Mr. Bill? Have you seen what Grady Dick's wearing? Yeah, that's incredible. Did you see it, Borky? The red sequin. He's, yeah. he's, he's wearing. No, he's from Kansas. He's wearing the the red ruby red slippers oh, well, as a man. suit. There's no <laughs> place so like home. Black pants with a red sequin, like big shouldered blazer, like he's trying to be Vanilla Ice, and it looks like a red sequin turtleneck underneath it. I'd show up in the Dumb and Dumber tux, the orange one. 
Did you see Chris Paul got traded to the Warriors, about, by the way? How about a well-tailored blue suit with a white shirt and a natty tie? Uh, imagine that. But Maybe a pocket square to make it pop. They, I want to stand out, you know. You, you don't wear cups in basketball, but the, the opponents of the Warriors are going to have to this year. <laughs> Chris Paul and Draymond Green on the same team? Buddy, uh, I, I hope you had kids before this uh, season, because you're not going to have any after. Uh, Whew, imagine a seven-game series yeah. with those two. Wait, Chris Paul ended up where? He's in Golden State. He got, he got traded to... Uh, I thought he got today. sent to the... To D.C. And then they sent him to... And they traded him to the dubs. For for Jordan Poole, the guy that Draymond punched in the face during practice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Warriors... I'm sorry, the Wizards are an all-time tank job team coming up. They might only win like 11 games. Yeah. They don't have... They literally... They have no players that NBA fans might not even know them. I mean... If you just ask the casual fan on the street who is this and showed them the Wizards roster, they would they would not know any of them were NBA guys. See the Grizzlies got Marcus Smart? Or did he get they traded in also? That's a good pick. I think that was somebody that they wanted no, on that roster. I think, they, I think they got him. He sort of plays the role that Dylan Brooks plays, but he'll be smarter, no pun intended, about it. Yeah. All right. We've got a uh d- does tonight's game live up to the billing? Paul Skeens versus Rhett Louder, LSU versus Wake Forest, the two best pitchers in the game, the only two teams that have been ranked number one uh, at all this year, and it's the third time that they've met in Omaha in the last week. It just feels like, I mean, the only way it can't live up to the billing is if somebody has a terrible night. So these two guys don't have terrible nights. So I assume that the answer is yes, it will live up to the billing. see if we can do... We've got time for it. Um, look at their numbers side by side for the uh, for the year. Paul Skeens is just absolutely ridiculous when you look at the numbers that he has put up this year. We've talked about him before, but but here greatest college prospects in Strasburg is that fair or even yeah no, no, not even a debate. easily thirteen and two on the year one point eight one ERA. He started 18 games, 114 and two-thirds innings with 200 strikeouts, 23 earned runs allowed. He's only walked 19, and opponents are hitting 171 against him. And Wake just uh, scratched their All-American first baseman. Nick uh, Mer- Kurtz, Kurtz will not play tonight. Kurtz? Kurtz will not play tonight. Mm. They don't say why, they just say he's scratched. He's got 31 home runs. Well, he ain't playing. Is that right? I think it's 31. Me? You're asking me? I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I don't have Louder's stat line yeah. in front of me. How it's many, really how good. How many intercontinental too, championships did Edge win, Richard? I mean, what, what are we doing here? Rhett Louder, 15 and 0 in 18 starts with a 199 ERA, 113 in a third innings, 137 strikeouts, 22 walks. Think Pretty good. He's got 137 strikeouts, which is a ridiculous number. Paul Skeens has 200. Yeah. What was Ben McDonald's yeah. strikeout rate? Can Skeens break the record tonight? I think he, I think he, he will, yeah, if he pitches. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember right. what the number was. For some reason, I was thinking it was like 212, but maybe it's more than that. Maybe he, maybe he needs two more starts to get there. Enjoy it. Uh, College World Series, Wake Forest and LSU coming up next. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.